podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows, featuring the biggest names from past and present. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows and welcome to another special episode of Wolves Weekly. This week, Connor Ronan, the former Wolves Academy prospect who's now living life in the USA with the Colorado Rapids. We'll find out exactly how that move came about, what life has been like playing in the MLS. Also, how he reacted to his Wolves career coming to an end and the personal and family journey that he went on in his young Wolves career. We'll also discuss some of the players that he played with and the coaches that helped mould him, plus his views on the team he left behind. So here's Connor Ronan on life in the USA. Obviously, it was a big a big move coming out here. You've kind of got to split these kind of moves into two parts, obviously, on and off the field. So I think... Firstly, like coming over here, the most important thing for me was like off the field. Um, me and my wife had just had a little boy and we was just kind of concentrating on getting out here, getting settled. And then that that always helps with the, the football side of things. So I think we had like that probably one month period of like getting everyone out here, getting the house sorted, um, getting the dog out here. And then once, once we were settled like off the pitch and... You know, when the missus is happy and every, everything's everything's going well there, we you can kind of start to focus on the pitch, and that obviously hasn't gone as planned this season. I think I think personally, it's um, kind of been a year of like a transition year, getting used to the the league over here and the the style of play, and obviously new teammates, new managers, and then we've had two different managers this season, so there's been a lot of a lot of changing, a lot of changing with the the styles of play as well. So it's um. That's how I would describe it on the pitch, more of a transition year and just looking forward to kind of getting into next year now with a new manager and getting going again, really. The the way we're, we're kind of looking at it is it's it's obviously not gone well this year and it, it has to be better next year and that that's the only way we can see it. But then going off the pitch, me and my wife are really happy. We can't can't really complain about the lifestyle out here, the the weather's better than the north of England, so <laughs> that, that's always a bonus. Is it? I mean, you're obviously taking it from a team perspective in terms of how it went, because uh, you know, for you personally, um, you were what MVP, which is Player of the Year in English speak, Players Player of the Year, yeah. and the Fans Player of the Year for a first year with a club. That's not a bad hat trick to have got, my friend. Yeah, it's. It's a weird one because you're obviously happy to receive the awards and it's nice to be recognised, obviously, from, from different groups of people, the fans and your teammates as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a weird one to take just because I think if you ask like most players and when you have a season like we've had where we've, things just didn't go well and we were down the bottom of the table for a lot of the year, I think you'd kind of trade all that in to have a more successful year as a team and, you know, this year kind of you saw the confidence being sucked out of people, myself included, just because that's how things go when obviously you're not playing well as a team. So I think I think it's better for everyone just to have a better season as a team. And I think that'll that'll improve myself even from this season, just if we can pick up more results and just just have that confidence within the team. Look, you and I spoke quite a bit during your Wolves career, and I know that there were times that 
that you felt a little bit underappreciated going out on loan and and other such things so to go somewhere where clearly you are massively appreciated and rewarded at the end of the season must be quite a different feeling. Yeah, and I would say that started at St Mirren, to be honest. My, obviously, my last long move that I had where things obviously went really well there for me personally and I felt that's when that's when it kind of clicked for me and I, I, I had that real confidence going into my game every week and like you say, I think it's a bit underestimated being being appreciated in a team, knowing that, not knowing, but being confident that you're going to start every week and, you know, knowing that if you play well, you'll be in the team again the next week. And I just felt like at St. Mirren, that's where that really started for me. And I felt appreciated by the fans. I felt important to my teammates. And it's nice that I've kind of been able to carry that on. And I feel like I, I just spoke then about, obviously, confidence being sucked out of us. But I felt like, there were times in the season where you know I was on a good run of form, getting assists every other game, and it was just giving me that confidence that I was going to play every week, which is obviously what I've lacked throughout my career. Yeah, where where were you mentally by the time that your Wolves journey came to an end? Because it's it was a long old journey, right? Yeah, it it was a weird one. It's kind of I speak about it a lot about how everything kind of panned out, and it's. it's there's a lot of different things that went on, but I think, I think being back there, that so the opportunity kind of came about after Saint Mirren, where I was in a bit of a crossroads between whether I wanted to go back and you know give it a go in pre-season or whether I'd be looking to leave. And I kind of got that reassurance from the club that that they wanted to have a look at me. And for me, the way I saw it was that that was kind of my last chance at Wolves to to, to give it a go. And obviously, it was in the Premier League as well, so it was probably my last chance to kind of get a go at play, playing in the Premier League as well. So um, that that's the mindset I had going into that pre-season. And in my opinion, I, I'd done enough in that pre-season. There was obviously other things going on with maybe not as many signings and a few younger lads getting a chance. So I think I, I think I'd did enough in that pre-season to warrant being kept around. Um, And then obviously, no matter what the level, I know I was on the bench most weeks in the Premier League, but just not getting any minutes and, Obviously, you, you've got to be happy with just being around that kind of environment. And I was learning every day, training with the, the type of players that I were training with. But I think that frustration is always going to come with the lack of game time, whatever level it's at. So I would say that period that I've just had at Wolves was maybe my most frustrating. Not not that I felt like I should have been playing every week or getting minutes. I just wanted that that chance to kind of prove myself. I was I never stopped trying in training. I was always giving it a hundred percent, which I'd like to think that that people would say about me as well so looking back on that time now I'm kind of glad I mean I don't know I got it might be five minutes in the Premier League but I'm just so glad that I kind of got that opportunity instead of having that that six months at the club and not getting it at all and to come away from that and if I would have left and not got that chance to play in the Premier League I think that would have been a lot more frustrating but um to look back on that time and say I got minutes in the Premier League and I could I've, I've played in the Premier League was big for me and um yeah I never I never really felt like I was probably going to get in and break through and be a starter because just just from what happened what had happened in the past at the club but I always felt like if I could you know get some minutes and keep getting chances that maybe I could impress but like I said looking back on that time it's uh it was valuable in terms of me learning off the players I was playing with every day. And yeah, I get I get to say that I played in the Premier League. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think officially it goes down as one minute. I'm afraid to tell you, mate, but because he was one minute. On- he was added on time, so I think officially... Do we, not, do we not count the added on minutes? I'm <laughs> yeah, I think statistically they don't. They should do, and probably nowadays... To, to, be, honest, I'm, to be honest, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I touched the ball, because you can come on for two minutes and not even get a touch, so yeah. I'll, I'll take what I can get. Because um, I think people forget that your first team journey um, start, I mean, started probably six years before that moment, right? When it was... Yeah. It was a debut under Paul Lambert. And I say yeah. you'd, you'd been in and around it and kind of people at the club were like going, you yeah, know, you need to see, you need to see this kid. He's pretty good. And, it, you know, to have been there from that point and had to be that patient to get a thing. Do you see that then as, as a reward for, for all those loan trips away, for all those moments where you thought, is this going to happen? And obviously a pretty serious injury in there as well yeah to kind of finally yeah. get on the pitch yeah i think i think if anyone was to kind of look at my career it's obviously not not the most conventional but probably not something i would change the the opportunities i've got to play in different countries and kind of learn different styles of football i feel that's become kind of very valuable to the player that i am now just having all them different experiences but i would say if i look back on my time at Wolves as a whole, I would say, I would say I'm, I'm happy that I got got to kind of play in the Premier League. But I think the way things went, everything could have been like fast forwarded a little bit, and there maybe could have been like a few less low moves, and maybe I could have got that chance to get in front of the manager a little bit sooner. And if if the decision would have been that he's not good enough, we can get rid of him. I think that would have been best for all parties, just for just for me to kind of get on with, with my career. But at the same time, I'm, I get to play professional football for a living and I get to move to all these different places. And I've always I've always kind of had this mindset of being grateful for whatever kind of position you put in. And, you know, when I got when I got told I was going on loan to Slovakia, that was kind of not, not, not in my plan for what was going to happen in my career. But then I look back on that time, that was one of my, one of my favourite times in my career where, I was at a club that was successful and winning all the time and I was playing every week. And if you would have told me that two years before, I would have said no chance that was going to happen. So I think looking back on my time as a whole, I'm just kind of grateful that I got the opportunities that I did. And I think it just all could have gone a little bit quicker and I maybe could have maybe could have got my chance or got away a little bit sooner. I, I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, say I, I've, I've spoken to you a number of times. And I remember speaking to you. We sat down in the little area where you put your boots on to go out to training. And it was probably yeah. a couple of weeks after the the debut at Forest. And we yeah. had a chat about um, your dad's Facebook post. Yeah. Which, which has always stuck with me because uh, it was such a lovely thing for, for those who didn't see it. It was a pretty emotional post from him, right? About the journey and yeah. the sacrifices that they'd been and they'd made to kind of get you to that point because you went out after outside the ground to give him your shirt that's right yeah 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 they were luckily my my mum my dad and my brother were all at the game so that was nice it's not often all all three of them can kind of get to a game at the same time normally my dad will just get in the car and go on his own or maybe go with my brother but it, it was looking back I don't actually remember how they all ended up at the game maybe because I was getting on the bench a little bit and they was probably hoping that 
sooner rather than later I'd get my debut. So I think they were trying to get to like most of the games around that time. But yeah, it was nice to have to have all three of them there. Was it pretty out of character for your dad to be that emotional in a social media post? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think it's funny because like he, me and him are quite like straight and like quite, quite, quite blunt with each other. We say what needs to be said, and then for me, like it, it was kind of nice to to see that side and to see like it. It's not just, it's not just about you. Obviously, it's not just about you making your debut. Because in that moment, you, you come on, you make your debut, you're a professional footballer. You're just thinking, obviously, about yourself and that that achievement, but little things like that kind of put everything into perspective just about what what kind of goes into that and it, it's the same for 99% of the people who come on and make the debut there's so much that goes into that one moment and that that post that he put on kind of summed it all up of the the away trips at six o'clock in the morning the the standing on the sidelines in the rain it, people forget about all that because they think it's you can put the hard work in yourself, but there's so much around you that that needs to go into it just to kind of just to get on the pitch. So, um, and for me, I always had um, I've always had like quite a close family where I've been supported by like not just my mum, my dad, aunties, uncles, cousins. They've all kind of supported me on that journey. So, I think that post kind of summed up quite well what goes into anyone's professional debut, really. Yeah. Well, like I say it, it always stuck with me that post. And the conversation you and I had, because I remember coming away from it feeling like, God, like Connor's really down to earth. Like, because it was you and Bright, like, because Bright made his first team debut around the same time. Yeah. And obviously, Bright and Bakari was a completely different character to you. And you'd, I, I know yeah. you're smiling at that because he absolutely definitely is. And, and I'd love to still try and track him down and find out what's going on with him at the minute because all sorts. But yeah. uh, it, you know, there was n- there was never anything big time about you that that really struck me at the time. You know, you could you could be forgiven to have had a swagger about you getting into the first team at the age you did, and and all that kind of stuff. Is that something that's always been a part of you, or is that kind of does that come from the parents? Does that come from anything to kind of go? No, it's about hard work, and just because we've made a one appearance, that's not it. Yeah, I would. I would probably say my dad was a big part of that. Obviously, there's my mum as well, just in the way that you get brought up and nothing to do with football, just who you are as a person. Obviously, your manners and how you speak to people, I think that's always important. But I think in terms of success in football, I think my dad had kind of always instilled in me that, you know, we always respected the teams that we play. And we had a really good team when we was younger in the junior teams and my dad was actually the manager. And we had various players that went on to like go into academies and stuff. So we we won quite often. So it was like that's all we kind of knew. And it was always instilled into us that kind of no matter how well you're doing or the success, you always respect the other team. You always shake hands after. And I think that's that's something that you've got to kind of keep with you, no matter how successful you are or what level you play at. Just having that that respect for people that you work with, no matter who it is, day to day, you you with the kit man, you with the physios, you with the the media people i think you've got to have that that general respect for just the people you work with with the benefit of hindsight um obviously you got injured and uh paul lambert leaves and nuno comes in and part of the issue sometimes in in development developing young players development football is that you were all kind of developed for a certain style and and that style wasn't there anymore 
And I wondered how that kind of feels when you kind of think, you know, I've I've had a taste of the first team. I've I've, I've done stuff. I've proved that I can do it. And yet there isn't really a role for me with a natural role anyway, within the Nuno setup. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like what you said about timing, that that's so important for kind of any footballer breaking through, no matter, no matter how talented you are or how hard you work, that, that timing has to be right of, you know, maybe the team's not doing so well and they're giving young players a chance. Or in my case, obviously Paul Lambert come in and he give quite a few young players a chance. And I think, in terms of timing, that worked out quite well because I was doing well for the under twenty ones. I'd I'd been around the first team a little bit on preseason and stuff, so I think I think the timing of that worked perfectly for me. And then, obviously, the timing of the the injury, I got a stress fracture in my back, which is from what I was told, kind of like unpreventable and quite common in in young players. So again, like I didn't really get too frustrated about that because again, like there was not really much I could do about it, but. Obviously, by the time I'd come back, I was back fit for pre-season. There'd been a lot of change within the club. And to be honest, coming back for that pre-season, I didn't really know whether I was still going to be with the first team or put back with the the 21. So I was relieved a little bit to find out I was still in the first team squad for that pre-season. And, and yeah, I went in with a mindset of... Because obviously, when I got injured, I was, I'd started a few games and I kind of went into that pre-season of having the mindset of trying to trying to be a starter in the team and try and or at least be coming off the bench every week and then pre-season actually went quite well and I was I was on the bench for the first few games and I can't remember exactly but I remember getting one or two appearances off the bench early on in the season and I thought like this is okay like if I keep working maybe I can I can work my way in and it kind of went the opposite way and it we had a few players injured and players come back and the squad got bigger and I was I was getting left out and to be honest I, I don't know how old I was maybe 19 18 19 and at that time, and maybe just because of how young I was, I probably didn't deal with that that well. Just because everything in my career up to that point had been so straightforward. I'd I'd come to Wolves, I'd been in the under-18s, I'd done well, jumped up to the under-21s, done well, and my, my career was just kind of going in the right direction. And um, that was the first point where I had like a little bit of frustration and just something not going how I wanted it to go. And I probably didn't deal with that the best, just in terms of maybe I, I looked a little bit frustrated in training and I maybe looked a bit frustrated around the place. That's the, that's the way I remember it. Anyway, it seems like seems like a long time ago now, but I just remember not not dealing with that that disappointment well. And that's probably why I didn't kind of get back into the setup and they, they, they decided to send me out on loan. So I think I can kind of look back on that time and blame myself a little bit because I do think if I would have obviously had the mindset that I had now and just kind of took it on the chain and kept working hard and training and not really let it show that I was frustrated. I maybe would have been able to work my way back in, but obviously that these things kind of happen and I always look back on that time, like just something that I've learned from and to learn from them disappointments. Because even when I've, I've gone on loan and I've, I dropped down to league one and went on loan two or three times in league one, I didn't, I didn't play every week at that level and, that that kind of taught me quite early on how to how to deal with that and the right and wrong way to deal with it obviously yeah but it's interesting hearing you talk about that and I guess the maturity to to look back on that time I mean within it you had uh, a performance at Man City in the League Cup that had Kevin De Bruyne chasing you down the tunnel to to swap shirts (laughs) and stuff I mean coming from where you come from as well that's a pretty big deal 
Yeah, I get asked about that a lot, and it. I don't know. I don't know if like I don't know if I've ever like said it. Maybe I've said it in an interview or two, but it was. So I asked him for his shirt on the pitch. Um, my little brother's a Man City fan, so I thought I'll I'll try and get him a shirt. And I just I don't remember how it exactly happened, but I remember seeing him in front of me, and I thought I'd ask. And to be honest, I thought someone would have already asked him, but he said um, he said we'll do it in the tunnel, and he obviously went in before me, and then the footage kind of came out that looked like he was waiting for me. And it was like, it, it was never really like that. I'd obviously asked him on the pitch. And I think the shock from me kind of came because, again, I was still on the young and I was just like kind of happy to get his shirt. And then he asked for mine, which obviously took me by surprise a little bit. And it was, uh, again, now when I look back on stuff like that, you know, th- that calibre of player and people who were just that, that much of a superstar don't really have to do things like that. And, for me, even now, like I still get asked about it, and it's like one of the like probably standout moments that like I look back on in my career to say that like that happened. So yeah, for him, for him to do that kind of made probably like not it's nothing to him, but it was a a big impact for me. The the big question then, and perhaps the biggest one of this podcast is: Do you actually have the shirt? I don't have it actually. My um my little brother has it in his room and um we're currently i have a house back home and we're currently renovating it so it's not quite ready to live in yet and um the questions are going to be asked when the house is finished where the shirt goes um i've got a feeling i might have to i might have to bribe him in some way to get it back i don't know i don't know what it's going to take but but i'm i've, I've got the feeling that i'm not i'm not going to get it back off him easily so we'll we'll see we'll cross that bridge when we get to it but at the moment it's it's still in my mum and dad's house in my in my little brother's room Wolves weekly with mikey burrows let's talk about um coming through into into the first team because it it seems that we almost take it for granted now you know, we we've seen um, in recent weeks Tawana Cherewa start making the substitutes bench, having only joined the club recently in the last couple of months. Um, you know, Hugo Bueno, uh, a guy that you'll know well, as you know, he's, he's yeah. a first team regular now. Um, Nathan Fraser's just made the jump up to be part of the actual first team squad, and and that's a part as well, actually, that I, I should ask you about because people don't quite realise that. You start off in the under-18s dressing room, which is down the far end of the corridor at Compton, and you literally work your way up, and eventually you kind of get told that you're going to make that journey and be in the big room. Yeah, it's um, it's quite nice that actually how you you work your way up the building. I remember when when I first moved there and we was under-18s, there was obviously like certain parts of the building that you can't go in, and it's almost like you have to earn them privileges. I remember even when, the club was obviously a lot different when I first went there. But even when you go up for breakfast, there was like certain things that were for the first team players and we had our own stuff. And it was like, I don't know. I don't know if it, it kind of made you want it a little bit more. It made you want to move up the levels and earn them privi- privileges. I remember when when we, when we was down the bottom in the 18s dressing room and we used to have to clean the first team players' boots. And, you know, we, we had to mop, mop the halls and make sure the dressing rooms were clean before before everyone left. And, there'd always be that one person still in the shower and everyone's waiting to leave. And it was Rob Edwards, actually, who was our manager. And we used to have to wait in the uh, in the boot room for him to kind of come down and dismiss us. So I feel like little things like that kind of make you want to move up more and like not have to do them things. So it's nice to see 
it's nice to see people make that step up, especially when I've I've kind of done it myself and you know how it feels and you know when you get told you're going to be moving into the first team dressing room, like you're a little bit nervous because obviously you're used to kind of being with all these people the same age and you know you become like good friends with them and then it's like from one day to the next you're just in a completely different dressing room. But for me, looking back on that time, it was a uh, we had a really good dressing room and a good mix of like the older players and the experienced players who looked after like the likes of me and Brighton, Morgan and Harry, they all, they all made sure we was, uh, we was all right. And we was comfortable and on and off the pitch as well. They was always kind of giving us advice and, you know, from, from when I was there just recently as well, they've got the players in the, in the dressing room to kind of do that, do that for the young lads now as well. I was going to say, you actually got to make the move because there was a period in that first season when you made the breakthrough that I think we had too many players to actually yeah. be in, in that actual one room. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of nice because it kind of, I kind of got a bit more time. Like, I enjoyed being in the 21's dressing room because it, it was with like all the, all the lads who you've been with and been playing with for a few years. So, um, I got a bit of time to like get ready for that move up if you like. And, it was, it was again. It was more of a sense of like because there was like that little bit of waiting period after I broke in. It was like I have to keep doing this to kind of earn moving up there. It's not just like it's not just training with them or making your debut that gets you into the dressing room. You have to kind of prove that you're worthy of being in there and training every day and being part of that squad. Yeah, and I, I say when you look at the the players, in a way, you weren't alone. Right, there were other there were other youngsters who made yeah. that that jump up, and I say I I forgot about Harry Harry Burgoyne being a, a part of that, and obviously his yeah. uh, debut in the four four against Fulham, and and yeah. playing and playing at Anfield as he'll hate that I forgot him in that respect. But the, yeah. there are always there are always four players kind of, that kind of got um got told to me to kind of keep an eye on from the 18s that kind of Rob pointed out and, and other people coming through. And it was you, it was Morgan, it was Bright, and it was Ryan Giles. And yeah. you all kind of developed to that final point differently. So in some respects, you were probably the most advanced of that four. And it was you and Bright that kind of went originally when, when Paul Lambert came in. But yeah, from a from a fundamental point of view, you look at that group of players, and I I could list more people within that group because obviously Max came and joined it at one point, and and other players. Yeah. I mean that's a that was a seriously talented bunch of young players that you were with. Yeah, and it's like you name them players in particular, and we we didn't actually get to play together that much to be honest. We obviously there was you know what it's like when the the players are like moving between age groups so like a lot of the time me and Bright was a little bit older than obviously Morgan and, and Jilo so and Harry was obviously a little bit older than us so we was kind of the first ones to maybe make that step up to the the 21s and the first team but yeah I think the only time I can remember us maybe playing together was like FA Youth Cup games and then again because like me Morgan and Bright were like similar positions as well there was it was probably a bit of a headache for the manager at the time of like where to kind of play us you know when we dropped down for the 21s to the 18s for them games so yeah as um we, like I said we didn't we didn't really get that many opportunities to play together and we've all kind of gone on 
different career paths, very different career paths. And everyone's kind of, you look at Morgan and Jilo playing in the Premier League now, they're kind of fulfilling fulfilling their potential of what, what we've seen from them when, when they was younger. And then um, Harry's at Shrewsbury now, now right? And it's uh, I feel like it's a lot different for a goalkeeper as well because the the kind of age range for like breaking into a first team is a lot different just because mm-hmm. I feel like the, a lot a, the majority of clubs always seem to have the first choice and the second choice kind of nailed on and it, it can be a difficult position to kind of break into that first team so he did and like we spoke about before the time and the timing of all that kind of worked out really well for him and he impressed obviously when he got his chances and then Bright I'm not not too sure where Bright is now but I would say out of to be honest, like out of the players that you mentioned, for me, Bright was Bright was always the one that could just turn nothing into something. And I think I think for the fans, they all saw glimpses of that, which is probably why they, they got frustrated with him, maybe with his final product in some games. But for me, I got to play with him a lot at under-18s and under-21s. And some games he was unplayable and it always felt like he was going to be the one to kind of go on and... Even even go on to do better things and get that move to an even better club, and obviously for for certain reasons things didn't didn't quite didn't quite uh, didn't quite pan out like that. There was a, a football league trophy game um, at Crew where uh, he uh, he ran past like nine players, went round yeah. the goalkeeper and hit the post. And if it had gone in, it genuinely would have been the greatest goal I'd ever seen live in my life. Like yeah. and and it's just that he could do things that uh, so many other players couldn't, and yet he's just genuinely one of the most baffling kids around. Like I remember being there, um, trying to like after games in and around the dressing room, and he'd already have showered, and he'd been yeah. like he'd be changing the music, and you'd get like, hear the senior players shouting at him from the shower because yeah. he'd like let a song play for five seconds and switch it to the next one. Like you couldn't predict yeah. what he was going to do on and off the pitch. No, and I think that I think in some ways that kind of made him as good as he was, just because of that. He, he didn't really care. He didn't really care if he lost the ball. He didn't care what people thought of him, and that that's kind of where that freedom came from. And like you say, you talk about when he's dribbling past players. I saw him do that so many times. And to be fair, a lot of the time in training, he'd, he'd always finish it off. And I don't know whether it's maybe he needed a little bit of luck in games to kind of get things going for him. And I think if he would have got some goals early on, he would have really kicked on. And I think maybe just because that didn't come, he maybe lacked a little bit of confidence in front of goal. But yeah, if you look, if you look back on, I mean, me and, me and Pricey spoke about it a little bit this season when, you know, we talk about players that you've played with in the past and whatever, and his name had always come up and you try and explain him to people and he's quite hard to explain because you. Tr- I've explained him to people by saying that he's like, he might be the best footballer I've trained with. Like he's up there in terms of like just raw ability and what he could do with the ball. But then the same people are asking questions like, oh, well, what, what happened to him? And you kind of, it's hard to explain how someone with that much ability kind of, didn't get where they needed to get to, but but like you say, I think he had he had things going on off the pitch, and sometimes that you could see that. And then some weeks, you know, some weeks he just in training, he might not he might not want to be there. He's had to be elsewhere, and then the next week he'd be the best player on the pitch. So yeah, he was a he was a tough one to figure out. And then, <clears throat> I mean, if you look at someone like Morgan, who's like 
ability wise obviously unbelievable and similar to Bright, like just has that ability to kind of run a game and do what he wants with the ball. Um and then you look where Morgan's ended up and I think you've you've just got to put that kind of down to his attitude on on the pitch and how hard he works and he's obviously getting the results of of his work that he's put in where maybe other people other people didn't put that work in. Yeah. I, I feel really sad. I was saying this on air um during the Nottingham Forest game. I feel really sad with the way it's ended up with Morgan that the relationship yeah. he has with the Wolves fans now um is not great. And I, I I'll be honest, I don't think Morgan is is blameless in that. But I, I feel it's a real shame because I say you guys were the group of players that that I think really made people within the club believe that that we could produce top talent and we could produce yeah. players who were technically uh, superb and have a chance in the first team. And I, and I do wonder whether you recognise, actually, and I know it didn't work out for you, it didn't work out for Morgan at the club, and it's not worked out for Ryan Giles either, and as we mentioned, Harry kind of coming through and obviously Bright. But without you, I don't think we'd have had the players like Max Kilman and Hugo Bueno getting the chances that they have. I, I don't know whether you're too modest to kind of acknowledge that. Um, yeah, I suppose I suppose you can kind of put like Dom and Courtney into that conversation a little bit because when we was coming through, there was, I don't know if there's anyone else, maybe Jordan Graham as well. I know we didn't come through right from a young player, but again, he kind of come and was with the 21s a little bit and people like that open that open that pathway up in that sense and I know it was when we was in the championship and you know it's obviously easier to get in than when the club's in the Premier League but they were the players that we looked up to when we was coming through just because they got in the team and they became regular starters which is it's two completely different things for in terms of making your debut and kind of staying in the team and for us that's what we aspired to do you know everyone wanted to get in the first team and make the debut but we saw players like Dom and Courtney get in and play consistently and that's what what made us feel that we could do that and for me personally the feeling that I had when I was at the club was that the pathway was always there if he was good enough and even from I think I was at the club for maybe two or three weeks I was 16 years old and we got chances to train with the first team when they needed numbers and it it just opened your eyes early on to what that level is and where you need to get to and I think I don't know if this happens at other clubs because I obviously had my full academy career at Wolves, but I always felt like if the first team needed players, then it didn't really matter your age. If you were doing well at the time, they'd give you that chance to go up and train and mm. try and impress. So I feel like that pathway has kind of always been at the club, but it, people have maybe struggled to to get in and play consistently. I feel like you can name so many names who've like come through and everyone's kind of excited about and they get on and they make make the debut and for for whatever reason it doesn't doesn't quite work out or they just can't get that consistent game time and obviously I can't I can't tell you what that reason is and there's obviously been players that come through that are good enough to kind of could have stayed in the team and made a career there and there's obviously players that maybe got the debut and found the level a little bit later on but like I said I feel like I feel like for Wolves as a club that pathway for the, the youth team players is there it's just about the players getting in and getting consistent minutes like like Max and Hugo are doing at the minute. And in some ways, the club helped to develop a Premier League manager in, in Rob. Um, yeah. You know, you were there where, at the start of his coaching journey. Did you think then that he would go on to be a Premier League manager? 
I mean, I always, I always look back on that time as one of my favourite times of my career. That was my, my like first taste of just playing football every day, playing competitive games. And um, Rob was obviously a big part in that. I remember when I first first moved to the club because obviously I was with Rochdale up until under sixteens, and then I actually didn't know anyone, so I'd I'd moved to Wolves and went straight into like full time football without kind of knowing who I was playing with. And, Rob helped me a lot in that sense, and I remember, I remember after the first week to a preseason, like speaking to my dad, and I was like, obviously the levels a lot better than what I was used to, and I was like, I'm not sure whether I'll be able to get in the team, and just being around like a better quality of players makes you like doubt yourself a little bit, and I feel like if I look back on that time specifically, Rob was massive in terms of just giving me confidence, and obviously I I played a lot under him, but just in training like you know when you're a finished player at 16 and you still have so much to learn and I feel like that that was a really valuable time in terms of because you, you think you know everything and then you go into full-time football and see what the level's like and you, you don't really know the basics of what of what real football is so I think Rob was really good at teaching us as youngsters like what real football is like and for someone like him who'd had a good professional career he was kind of the perfect manager for us at that time to just just teach us teaches what what full-time football is like and for me personally I always I'll always look back on that time and and uh just just be thankful that I got I got to work with someone like Rob as my my kind of first first full-time football manager and someone that instilled a, a lot of confidence in me once uh I always feel once a wolf always a wolf right and and yeah. uh, um you know the the connection was there um even to help you with this movie obviously you mentioned jack price who had been at colorado for a couple of years um i know he's moved on now um and neil emblem and yeah. um was being your assistant coach and I, I don't know how much you're aware of of what happened in in that process to get you to colorado um no i mean so i first I first heard about it so I was kind of going back to where I was at I was kind of looking at leaving the club and seeing what options were available and there was a few different options and again loans and then some permanent but didn't really quite suit what I wanted and um, the Colorado thing kind of came up out of nowhere and I remember finding out from my agent that there was interest and we had a zoom call I think that night with um, brand news like what you would call the sporting director and uh, Embers was on the call as well and it was yeah. Embers who obviously did did most of the talking and to be honest like I didn't really know much about Embers I knew that my agent told me he was an ex-Wolves player and if I'm being honest I probably didn't know how big of a player he was for the club and you get to learn that as you get to know him obviously and you, you hear things about him and I know he was just at a game recently as well and he's a he's a bit of a legend in them parts so that that was nice to kind of speak to someone who's it's always nice to speak to someone who's been at the same club you're at, especially yeah. when it's a club like Wolves where, like you said, you kind of have we we was not at the club at the same time, but you, you just have that that one thing in common that you, you got to play for a club like Wolves and then I didn't actually speak to to Pricey until um until everything was, was pretty much done. I kind of spoke to him after the after I'd kind of made my decision, which was kind of sums up how well the the club kind of sold themselves to me and it just seemed right for me at that time on and off the pitch just to to go and find a home somewhere and yeah we're we're happy that 
that everything worked out as it did. Once this particular part of your journey is over in America, where's next? And and will you come back to England and 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 push for it here? It's honestly not really something that I've thought about. I've kind of obviously I've signed a long contract over here. So in yeah. in my eyes at the minute, I'm kind of happy with with where I am and I mean, hopefully we can have a better season as a team next year, which will hopefully bring out better performances in myself as well. But I think I'm just kind of keeping it short term at the minute. I mean, you just said then, like you, you said to Embers, that it probably wasn't what I was looking for. But funnily, funnily enough, like it, it kind of was what I was looking for just in terms of having a home and, you know, that I've I've lived all over the place. And yeah. I, was, I, I was just at the point where... I wanted to be somewhere for more than one season, whether whether it was anywhere in Europe, America. I, I wanted to have that stability in my life. And like you say, with my family situation, I think we needed that off the pitch as well, just for, I think that's kind of helped me perform better, just having that stability. And even now, like we're going home this week and it's it's so nice to like know that I'm going to come back here next season and come back for pre-season and know my teammates and, and know, obviously we'll have a new manager, but normally you would you would know the manager well and you have that connection with the fans and you, you kind of know what you're in for before the season started. So that's that's what the attraction was most about coming out here, just having that that kind of longer contract and that stability. And you obviously mentioned going back to England. I haven't, I haven't really thought about it. I mean, we want to get back to England at some point and mm. I'd like to finish my career there definitely. But I, to be honest, I don't think I'll I'll go back over and progress in that sense I think I'll probably I think I'm happy over here kind of doing what I'm doing at the minute and just kind of taking each season as it comes I think if that opportunity come up I'd definitely be open to it but I think just because of how happy we are off the pitch it'd it'd take a lot for me to move back at this point right now just because of just because of that stability I mean we moved so much in such a short space of time we kind of got not frustrated, but just bored of it. It's the same old thing of packing your life into a suitcase, getting in the car, driving somewhere, getting on a plane. And like I said, it would just be nice to, even our house, we're coming back to the same house next year. We don't have to like buy any furniture or move in somewhere again. So that's what's, that's what's most attractive about, about being over here for me. Yeah. I mean, are you still able to keep in touch? Do you get to see the games? I mean, I've got visions of you, Jack and Embers, all sat on a sofa, all wearing your respective Wolves kits from the different times that you played, watching every single game. Is that, don't, don't don't burst that bubble for me, Con. I mean that'd be nice, but the the kickoff times don't really agree with that. <laughs> so some mornings you're up at seven o'clock trying to watch a game, and then it's funny because like some obviously the games are at the weekend, and some mornings you'll wake up and it'll be like if you wake up at like seven thirty, and the games are already like halfway through. You're like, I've missed half a game already. And then, like, even today, I was watching a few of the games and I've just watched the Spurs-Newcastle game and that's finished and it's 12 o'clock and there's not really any football on for the rest of the day. So it's that that's probably one of, if I was going to talk about negatives, I would say, I would say that's a negative, not being able to to watch the games at the, the perfect time, so to say it. But, yeah, I'm always, I'm always keeping an eye on the Wolves games and... I actually didn't watch the game yesterday. Unfortunately, I watched uh, I watched the United game, which in hindsight I probably should probably should have watched the Wolves game. So 
yeah, if they're if they're on, there'll definitely be a period where I'll watch the first half or the second half or try and get them on, try and get them on as much as possible. And I'm always hoping that I'm always hoping the best from obviously, and they they seem to be going in the right direction. I know they've had have had a few decisions not go the way this season, but I'm sure you'd rather rather things go that way than not play well and not deserve to win. Whereas I feel like where they're at at the minute, they're playing games and they're deserving to win and maybe decisions aren't going that way, which is their way, which is costing them points. But I feel like the performance is there and the, the direction's there. Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Podcast Network.